Welcome to Beyond Books, the podcast from the staff of the Novi Public Library. My name is David Silberman. I'm the Electronic Services Librarian. Here with me today is... Betty Lang. And... And Kathy Crawford, State Representative for District 38 and lifetime resident of the City of Novi. Before we get into the heart of the episode today, we have some building updates for you. First, we are now open for one-hour visits for grab-and-go services. Second, we've increased the number of computer stations available. And finally, we've resumed accepting donations. Donations are accepted on the second and fourth Thursday of the month from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., weather permitting, of course. Donations can be dropped off at the back of the library, not at the front door, so please go to the entrance off of Taft Road, the one that we share with the Novi High School. Now let's play a little game we like to play uh, normally it's meet the staff, um, but today it's going to be meet the state rep. So Kathy Crawford, um, thank you for joining us today. Um, let's start with just a brief introduction. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you are today? Okay, well, first of all, I guess I would have to go back a little bit. My family came to Novi in the 30s, 1930s, when Henry Ford was down south getting people to come to Michigan uh, to make cars. So my family came, uh, came to Michigan then. Also, Detroit had one of the few schools for the deaf, and my uh, aunt was deaf. So um, she came, you know, they, they, knew she wasn't, uh, they knew she wasn't stupid because she didn't go deaf till she was about three years old from running a high fever from measles and chicken pox. So they came to Michigan then. And eventually, they moved out to the Novi area because um, they were really connected. My family was really connected with farming. They were very much connected with farming, like a lot of people in the South. And so uh, they found a great farm on Meadowbrook and Novi Road. There was about 350 acres. Uh, Novi Road, and I mean Grand River and Meadowbrook uh, was where it was. So much of where a subdivision is located now is part of our farm back in the 40s and 50s. So um, that was sort of my beginning, you know, and uh, lots of things I learned along the way, but one of them was to never sit on the sidelines and complain about what other people are doing. And my family's motto, so to speak, and their goal was if you don't like something, you take part in making it better rather than, um, rather than just complaining about what everybody else is doing. And so, I, I think that actually answers my next question. What made you decide to go into politics? Yeah, I, I really have to laugh because I was never, it was never on my bucket list to be a politician. Never wanted to, but I had a Southern relative that used to always call me to find out what I was doing. And she said we were Southerners, we weren't hillbillies. She always tried to get, promote that to me. And she said, she said, listen, um, what is it that you're going to do next? And I said, well, you know, some people asked me if I would be on this is after I retired once, be on Novi City Council. And I said, so I'm thinking about it. And she said, why, Kathleen, that will make you so much more interesting. And that made me laugh because I thought, you know what, maybe I will be more interesting if I get on Novi City Council, I don't know. But I mean, that was one of the funniest things I ever heard about getting into politics. But it was never on my bucket list, but because I cared so much about Novi's future and Novi's past, I thought, well, who better than me? I should be on city council. So I got at Novi City Council and um, served for about, let's see, I think three years. 
um, and then went on to when David Landry was mayor, Mayor Landry, and uh, really enjoyed that experience. But then when the seat became open on Oakland County Board of Commissioners, my husband, who was leaving the Board of Commissioners, said, you would really love that job. You should do that job. And I thought, well, that never, I don't know why. And he said, because you'll be really good at it. And so I listened to him and I listened to other people and I got on the Oakland County Board of Commissioners where I served for about three years. And then um, when a vacancy became available in the 38th district, because I'd acquired all this experience and I really am passionate about what is going on in our district. Um, so anyway, I was elected state rep and have was elected three times and now I'm term limited. So which means in December, that'll be my last time in the Michigan State House. I've really enjoyed that and um, have made, I think um, we've made, helped to make some good legislations coming forward. What do you think have been some of your biggest challenges as well as accomplishments as a state rep? I guess I never really expected that there would be people that would just hate you that had never met you before. I mean, that to me is somewhat fascinating and, and um, but at the same time disappointing, I think, that we would hate a person who was elected to public office just because they are one party or another. I, I find that um, really, I don't know, it's, it's sort of unbelievable to me because I was elected to serve this entire district, no matter if what your political affiliations are, what your religion is, whatever. And I really feel that. So I've tried to listen to all sides and I've tried to listen to all ages and um, be the best representative for this district, which doesn't always agree with Lansing politics or up north politics. Every district has its own culture. So I, um, you know, I'm passionate about our district's culture, which is always changing, which is good. I mean, I think change is good. And what do you see as the most important issues in the near future for your constituents? Well, of course, right now we're dealing with this whole pandemic situation, which has changed everything uh, for everyone. I am very concerned about our economy and what's going to happen to our small businesses, which is small business is the backbone of our economy. How are they going to recover? When are they ever going to, seven months now into this pandemic, and we still have local businesses that have not been able to open. Um, that's tragic, you know, and I really believe in people supporting our local businesses. You know, it's, um, our businesses are really important to our economy and also to, to our well-being here in Michigan. So, and in this district, District 38. So I'm, uh, I think the economy and health and safety are two very big uh, issues that uh, everybody's going to have to, you know, buckle down and really try to get some resolution. So if you could change one thing about the state's politics or system or just resources, what would it be? Would it be that blind hatred of politicians across the aisle? Yeah, you know what, I never really, and my husband and I always fought, thought this was kind of interesting that um, people look at politicians as evil or, or something. But politicians are just people from your community. They're just people trying to do the right thing. I never, ever um, 
debunked anything anybody in Lansing said. Whatever side of the aisle they were on, uh, I thought they are representing their district and people elected them to serve and represent them in Lansing because they can't go to Lansing. So I took great responsibility for that and I think that, that um, that's so important to represent everybody and not, um, you know, not be against what, whatever somebody else believes because maybe that's what their district believes, you know? That is quite refreshing to hear these days when it seems a lot of politicians want to serve primarily their, their voters and not their constituents. Or their party, or right. their party. And that's, uh, in my view, um, is not always the best way and to serve. How do, how do you separate those two? You mean the party and the person? I well, mean, how, how do you put the, how do you separate the what my party might want me to do versus I'm trying to serve all of the people? It's always district. my district first. And it should be, you were elected to serve the people in your district. But how can you serve the people in your district if you don't even know the people in your district? You know, I've always been active in the community, and I think you've got to have your ear to the ground. You have to be active in your community to know what to do. Now, I'm lucky because my geographic district is real close. You think about it, some of the areas up north where they have, they represent five or six counties. I mean, they can't even go in one day from one end of their district to the other because there's not, you know, each one of us represents about 90, um, 90,000 people in our district. So 90,000 people in the UP could have you traveling from one end of the UP to the other. So um, that's hard, but I think that always comes first. You know, I, I always am reminding myself, okay, even though what I'm supporting or not supporting, is it what is best for my district? You know, is it what the people here would want me to do? And sometimes it's not popular with the party. I mean, it's not always. And some people cave into that. I never did. I guess I'm too old for caving in. I suppose I'm, I just am stubborn enough to say, no, that's, I don't agree with that. So I've always been kind of outspoken about that. And Kathy, what, what inspires you today? People inspire me. People always have inspired me. You know, I, I grew up at a time in Novi when, you know, the only thing, you know, we didn't have, I laugh when we talk to young kids today, you know, when they say to us, well, what did you do when you were a kid? What, how did you, you know, you have computers? Mm, no. Uh, did you, uh, did you, we didn't have a typewriter. We didn't even know what that was. So we went outside and we kicked a can, really. Uh, so, so people, you know, that's what we did back then. And I think Novi's, early history is really important. And I, I just kind of laugh sometimes about um, how I've been inspired by, I wish, I really wish that I had paid more attention to my grandparents who lived with us in Novi on the farm, along with my deaf aunt and uncle, um, because then it was thought at that time that deaf people shouldn't live independently because they weren't capable of it, which was not true. We learned that from our history, that that was not true. Um, but I learned so much, and I, I think, um, you know, any of that information that we can share with our young people is really important. But I've always been inspired by people. And I grew up with Bible stories, you know. I, there wasn't a lot of socializing to do in Novi when you were nine years old in the 40s or eight years old. So most of our activities evolved around what was going on in church. 
you know, we went to church. It was the Baptist church or the Methodist church. We didn't have any Catholics here in my life. I have to laugh when I think about it because the first Catholic I met um, was dark-complected, so I thought all Catholics were probably dark-complected. She was Italian, and I thought, wow. You know, it was just amazing to me. So that inspired me. Um, our history inspires me, but people, for the most part, people inspire me. Okay, and last question for my segment here is what was the last good book that you read? Well, I'm reading a book now by Shara um, for the life of me. You know, I am 78. I can't remember every title. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's about the American Revolution. I am really fascinated by uh, some of the things that have happened in wars. So I, I have read a lot about early American history and uh, particularly the American Revolution because I actually had an ancestor who fought in the American Revolution. So I'm, uh, I'm kind of um, passionate about American Revolution and early American history and pioneering. I just think what, what in the world uh, possessed people to come to Michigan in the 1700s or the 1800s? What, what were they thinking? You know, because we were basically a swamp at that time. You know, what, what happened? So I, I'm really interested in knowing about that. And that's usually the kind of books I read, historical um, novels. Okay. All right. Well, that's, uh, those are all the questions I've got. I want to thank you for, for letting us uh, meet you here. Well, thanks for having me. Okay. Now we're going to go into the Historical Commission since you are the chair and have been the chair for a few years. Um, what is the purpose of the Novi Historical Commission? Well, very simply, the purpose of the Novi Historical Commission is to discover and collect and preserve and protect um, our um, Novi historical materials. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, we need to discover and preserve and protect landmarks as much as we can through plaques, signs, and documentation. You know, Novi is unique in that it never really had uh, a downtown. We never really had a downtown. So a lot of cities like Northville and Farmington, our neighboring cities, all had great history, you know, and they have buildings that still stand that you can easily see, well, this was a main street or this was, this was a thriving uh, place. So probably Novi doesn't have any history, right? Because we don't have a downtown. Not true. We have a rich history. And uh, it just takes a little more digging to find it and to share it. Um, does the commission do certain projects? And if they do, can you tell us about them? Oh, I, I would love to because the projects are really, um, you know, I don't know what people think we should be doing. However, uh, one of the projects that we did that was very, very, um, I thought was really good was called the Motor City Markers. And this was a project that was um, supported by uh, the National Heritage Area and it's also affiliated with the National Park Services. So they contacted uh, the Historical Commission and asked if we would like to be a part of it. The interesting thing to me is that Grand River was one of the first plank roads in Michigan. Grand River has such a rich history and that's why the Motor City Markers wanted to delve into that um, a little bit more because they wanted to know about well what what part did Novi play in the Grand River history and the Motor City history 
So that's one of our projects. So you will notice around town there's about eight markers, some over by Pavilion Shores that talk about all the people coming to Novi from Detroit and all over Michigan coming to Novi because there was a, um, a business called the Wild Lake Amusement Park. And people came from all over. It was great uh, history back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. And so the markers kind of tell the story of that. And you'll see markers throughout the city. Um, mostly, uh, like there's one over at Tollgate Farms that talks about that as one of the early farms. And then um, Motor City markers along Grand River that kind of tell a little bit of history of the Grand River uh, business. Another thing that we did was uh, we were very much involved in the city's 50th anniversary. Now mind you, <laughs> our committee is just made up of volunteers and most of them come to our committee not because they signed up for that first. Usually it's kind of a surprise. Well, will you serve and, you know, you ask for this committee, you ask for planning commission, but would you serve on the historical commission? I don't think many people come to the historical commission as their first choice. You know, they're not really sure what it's all about. And I, I wish they did know, but we've gotten, a, we've got a great group. There's seven members. And um, so we're able to do some programs, but obviously they also work another job. So we're doing this business, um, you know, and you don't have to have any experience or anything. So the volunteer projects um, are really time consuming. We did uh, not only, um, we do historical programs for free here at the library and some of them have been, well, all of them have been really, really good. But one of them that we had planned for the pandemic was the Votes for Women, which was the Petticoat Patriots and how Michigan women won the vote. I mean, Michigan women were really important to winning the vote. Another one was um, uh, the Underground Railroad, you know, the history of the Underground Railroad. Also, um, Detroit and the War of 1812. A lot of people had no idea what that was about. Or um, Discovering Michigan, A to, C a to Z Guide to the 83 Counties. So we put on programs, pretty much, um, you know, try to do at least six a year, five or six a year that are free and we've been really building an audience for that and then of course the pandemic hit so we've been uh, struggling with that but we'll be st resuming our programming again very shortly. We'll start our first one though, we'll be virtual. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. You know, we're, we're getting used to this whole Zoom technology and everything so I think we'll actually maybe even pick up a bigger audience than we ever had before. I'm hopeful, forever the optimist, that's me. Um, we did a cemetery walk and I love this program because Novi has, um, has one of the most beautiful little Victorian cemeteries in the entire state of Michigan, I think. I mean, I'm kind of prejudiced about it. But cemeteries, um, you know, you think, how in the world, why would people be buried in our little Novi Road Cemetery that back in the 1800s or the early 1900s, I mean, they came to Novi when there was nothing here? Why would they be buried there? But Novi Road and Grand River were two of the first plank roads. So people could drive a cart here, um, the, the caskets could be brought on carriage and taken into our little cemetery. So we are so fortunate and privileged to have over 44 veterans in our little uh, cemetery on Novi Road uh, that we know of anyway. We know there are those. So we have veterans from the American Revolution, from the War of 1812, 
Um, most cemeteries don't have veterans in from our early history, but we have veterans from the War of 1812. We have World War One veterans, World War Two veterans, uh, Vietnam veterans. You know, and there's not any more space. But our history, you know, even though we don't have a downtown. Our history and our library of stories is in that cemetery, the families that were buried there and their stories, early early store owners and all that. You know, I just think that's fascinating and I'm always trying to encourage other people to be as, you know, I'm sort of passionate about it, as you can tell, but um, I want people to know about our little Victorian cemetery and the stories that are there. Every time a person dies, we lose a library of stories. A library of stories because family members who are throwing out their stuff or getting rid of stuff or handing it on never think it has importance and it absolutely does i mean you think about the stories i did some interviews and i know i'm probably rambling but i did some interviews of senior citizens um, some veterans of world war ii and also a fascinating story of a woman uh, that her she was on pearl harbor when it was bombed and she lives in novi now you know these she talked about what happened during the bombing. Her father was, um, was a photographer for the Navy and most of the pictures that we have seen, the early pictures of Pearl Harbor and when the bombing happened were from his camera. And so she lives in Novi and I'd like to know, you know, we're, we're going to lose that history, you know, if Florence isn't here and nobody has recorded her history and her thoughts about it because it's fascinating. She talked about the blackout. Um, how she learned to walk around in the dark because for years they had to keep their windows closed and darkened. They could never have lights at night. And she learned to this day, she said, I still can walk around in the dark, even though she's in her 80s. I can still walk around in the dark. And, um, and other stories from seniors, it's just remarkable that they don't think it's important, history, but these stories need to be recorded, uh, absolutely. One of the other, uh, so the veterans that we have recorded, my dream, and I think our commission's dream, would be able for, to people today with modern technology be able to walk up to a headstone in our Victorian cemetery and see the history on their smartphone of the person who was once alive and well in Novi and their history. You know, we learned so much about it. I was surprised when somebody gave us some uh, burial certificates and burial permits. You learned about what people died from back right. in the day. And one of the things I thought, why are all these people dying from poisoning? You know, is somebody trying to kill people? And it dawned on me then, because if people were canning vegetables right. and fruits and jellies and all that, some of them weren't that good at it. Or maybe something happened in the process. And so on one of the permits, it says died of canned peas. A woman <laughs> died of canned peas. So that to me was fascinating. And I think those stories, are great to know. You know, we learn a lot about the flu epidemic and everything from a mass grave that we have there from people that died of the flu. So there's a lot to be learned uh, it, just from our cemetery and oral histories and programs that we do in the school. We've done a number of programs in the school because young people have a hard time when we don't really have a downtown and, and especially people that are just coming here they are relatively new to this area. They just don't think about our history because we don't have anything standing much that still tells our story of our early history. So um, we have a local history room. Unfortunately, we don't have a house or a museum that you can go to, but we have a local history room, and a lot of our history is recorded. 
and in that history room. So people can come there and uh, they can, there's great interest now in genealogy and people finding out more about their families. So uh, I think now is the time for us to really uh, get people interested in our history. It's perfect time. So I don't know, I'm sorry I kind of rambled on, but no, that, that gives you an idea what's going that on. That was very interesting. And you're making the commission sound more and more interesting. I so, hope so. <laughs> how do people get to become a member? Well, actually, um, I, I hope that more people would take an interest in it. And I think there are some people, especially those that come from another country, mm -hmm. a lot of them are used to having a long history where they lived before. And so they want to know more about where they have moved. And, um, and so the only way to really find out is to just jump in. And I think uh, people are reluctant to sign up for the Historical Commission. It sounds like they were probably old, doddering old people that sit up in a room and think, well, uh, you know, and tell stories. But not. We're very effective, uh, professional people who are trying to preserve the history uh, of this great city. So um, we welcome anybody. And you just go online to the city of Novi, where you apply for any planning commission or any other thing, and sign up or plan to be on the Novi Historical Commission. I guarantee if we get somebody to sign up and they come to us uh, for a meeting or just come as a visitor the first time and see what we do, um, we'll get them and they'll, we'll, we'll get them hooked on history. That's, that our, that's our goal, get them hooked on our history. Is there anything else we should know about the history of Novi and how it affects uh, the commission and what what you want to tell anybody? I, I want people and relatives to know, please, please contact us. If you have, you know, and say you have a relative that died and, and you have some pictures and you don't really know who they are, please share them with the Nova Historical Commission. We would love, you know, we're not gonna keep your, uh, your photos or things. We have very few pictures of buildings that were here a long time ago. And we'd like to know, have, history uh, pictures throughout history. So if you have old VFW meetings or you have some pictures, we'd like to scan them and put them into our system as well as, um, you know, if you know who the people were. I, I'm sort of reminded about one of the unique families, I mean, my Sunday school teacher when I was growing up in the 40s and 50s, um, were the Gillette twins. And the Gillette twins lived in a little twin house. They lived in a duplex in Novi on Clark Street. And they were married to identical twin men, Vince and Victor, and Arlene and Maxine Gillette. They, Mar Arlene and Maxine were both, um, they were hairdressers. And they married the men, uh, Vince and Victor Gillette, who, um, who worked for, I believe they worked for the phone company at the time. So they. They lived in Novi in a duplex, and when they had children, I, I didn't even know who belonged to who because they all looked so much alike. But they were my Sunday school teachers. Arlene and Maxine were my Sunday school teachers at the old Novi Methodist Church on Grand River. And I never, I never knew there were two of them. I thought there was just one. And when I was the director of the Novi Senior Center, what was really funny is Maxine and Arlene and Vincent Victor became volunteers at the senior center and they provided meals you know they dished out the meals for the meals program and they also loved to dance so they would come to the dances and i don't think a lot of seniors in novi they would say though that uh, mrs gillette is so busy she is so busy i don't think they realized both of those women were working in the kitchen and both of those men 
they were very, very active in the senior program after they retired. And I think people still just thought there was just one woman and one man. I don't think they realized that they were twins. But what a great, isn't that a great story though when you think about it? it? Twins, married to identical twins, living in a duplex in Nova. I mean, how many other communities would have that story? You know, hardly anybody. And they still, Maxine and Arlene had their grandmother's, their mother's wedding dress, and that would have been from the 1800s. I had a wedding uh, program once, and I asked people to wear their wedding dresses or bring them for display. And they had her wedding dress, which was so remarkable. And it was what a great thing for people to see. So all of those things need to be captured, recorded, taken photos of. And so please, please, I'm just asking family members, before you throw anything out, let us take a look at it. Uh, it may not be meaningful to you, but it certainly will be meaningful to this city and our history. So. Thanks so much, Kathy. You've really opened up a process of thinking about the history of Novi, that it isn't just um, big, big things. No. But it, the history encompasses a lot of small things and a lot of family memories. So thank you again for telling us about the commission. It was great to be here, and I hope everybody signs up to be on the Novi Historical Commission. You know, we've talked a lot today about being interested in exploring your history. So if you are interested in exploring your family's genealogy, you should check out Ancestry. Ancestry has the most genealogical information available online with more than 1.5 billion names. That's billion with a B. Search topics includes, include census records, vital records, military records, and immigration records. Ancestry Library Edition has enabled access from home through December. There's no time like the present to discover your past. Get started on your genealogy quest with Ancestry from our online tools page today. We're back once again with state rep, Kathy Crawford. Now, Kathy has a very interesting artifact, though you may not be able to see it with this podcast. We will post the picture um, when we post about this episode. So, Kathy, um, can you tell us about this quilt, what's on it, and what went into it? Well, the way this quilt started, basically, uh, I was the director of the Novi Senior Center, and I was the first director of the Novi Senior Center, and uh, we we didn't even have a senior center when I started working for Parks and Rec, and so um, we initiated the fact that we needed a senior center. And, uh, and that all came about as a result of our urging and a committee that was set up and the city councils at the time, I think we went through three city councils before we finally got permission to have a senior center. So I was very, um, uh, I grew up on a farm in Novi and uh, my story was about uh, early story anyway was about living on the farm in Novi and I've lived here I'm 78 now but I lived here my whole life but when I retired from the senior center they made a little quilt memento for me that means a great deal to me because one of the, the projects that I did as the director of the senior center was uh, a project with uh, local teachers and it was called the pen pal program and we told stories uh, to kids and we had kids sending mail back and forth with us and we told them about our life in Novi and then the kids would respond back. They wanted to know about our history and everything and Darlene Grabowski was a first grade teacher 
and uh, she was one of the ones that really passionately supported our pen pal program and the um, the pen pal program really helped educate kids about the importance of our past and our history so this quilt uh, tells a story and what I always told the kids is that there's lots of things that tell stories you know it could be it could be a pin you wear it could be a piece of jewelry it could be some piece of clothing you know I've known some uh, people that when their uh, relative dies they take all the ties that their father wore and they make them into a wall hanging or they take t-shirts that you know young people take t-shirts that they wore in the different sports they participated in and they put them all together have them sewn together sort of like a patchwork quilt and then they um, you know they display them but um, also one of the stories that I was really touched with it was an early elementary story called the quilt story by Tony Johnston and Tommy D. Paola uh, and it's entitled The Quilt Story, but it talks about uh, a young girl named Abigail in the pioneering days when people went out west and leaving her home uh, where she lived in, a, you know, maybe New York or somewhere, and then traveling across the country in a covered wagon. The only thing she had with her that told the story of her past was her quilt. And the quilt um, had little pieces uh, of a dress that she wore, it had a piece of her mother's apron, it had a piece of pillowcase that she loved, and she had that quilt, uh, and that made her feel comfortable when she got to her new sod home, you know, out west, and um, because a quilt can provide warmth and security and everything and fun um, for all, for generations, because they lasted forever, but each quilt told a story. So, um, my story here is kind of about Novi's early past. This little quilt um, tells about uh, the apple orchards in Novi because there's a, there's a little quilt patch that told um, about the apple orchards. And I will say the people that did the quilts, each one took a square and they were responsible for looking at a photograph and doing the square. But it has the City Hall, 25075 is the address that's on the, um, the quilt patch. And then there's um, uh, Fruit Ridge Farm, which was one of the early farms in Novi, with a beautiful home that is still standing in Novi. And that's on the quilt. And our house is on the quilt, and our early farm is on the quilt. Um, picture of Bates Hamburgers, a lot of people that moved to Novi. Uh, later on said, oh, I remember Bates Hamburgers on the corner of Grand River and Novi Road, and you could smell Bates Hamburgers for miles and miles. And um, they probably weren't that nutritious. However, they were delicious. And so Bates Hamburgers had an early history in Novi because one of the reasons David Barr, the well-known, world-renowned uh, sculptor, came to Novi was because of Bates Hamburgers. And he did a whole page in his story, uh, Villa Barr's story in his book, about Bates Hamburgers and how you could smell it and it was wonderful and his wife didn't think he should eat them. But anyway, he ended up in Novi because of uh, he was inspired by Bates Hamburgers. So the Novi Inn has a rich history right on the corner also, the opposite corner of where Bates was. Um, it was a building that looks much like a bank building and it was, um, it was scheduled to become a bank and, uh, but right when the market crashed in the early 1900s and it became a bar instead called the Novi Inn. And the Novi Inn has a rich history 
And uh, so these are some of this, the quilt things. But if you wanted to really tell a lot of stories, each one of these squares tells a story. Guernsey ice cream. I mean, everybody knows about Guernsey ice cream on Novi Road and its early history. Um, decades and decades of ice cream have been produced by the same family and still, and now they've renovated their building. And so that's been important, an important part of Novi's history and my history too, because I think part of my body was built by Guernsey ice cream and biscuits and gravy from my early family uh, southern roots. So, uh, you know, I still carry Guernsey with me in every way imaginable. So this, stories can come from everywhere, and I want people to think about how to tell their story. I mean, one of the things that I, a project I did when I was director of the Senior Center, I said I had everybody sit down and try to imagine what their first memory was of their mother and what their first memory was of what their bedroom looked like when they were a child. And everybody went there, it was amazing to me, people that couldn't remember what happened this morning could remember everything about their bedroom. You know, if it had a tile floor, how many people, you know, most people back in the day in the 1900s, early 1900s didn't, you know, they had a brother, a sister, all siblings all stayed in one bedroom. Um, so I had them draw a picture of their room. I could not believe how detailed the pictures were. And I asked them, well, why don't you share this with your grandchildren? And they said, oh, they wouldn't be interested in this. And I thought, you are so wrong. Because if, if this kind of recorded history, like how did you get to school? So many of them um, from the early 1900s, they didn't ride a school bus, they walked to school. You know, and there's always the joke about walking 10 miles both ways uphill, right? Um, but there were a lot of interesting stories that teacher, that seniors told me about how they got to school and how far they had to walk and who walked with them and what happened along the way. They remembered all those things and I thought, you need to record that because your family will, maybe it's not interesting to them right now, but eventually they will want to hear it. So I want everybody to tell their story and if there's nothing else you can do, just get a piece of paper and write down, you know, start with a subject like the cars that we owned the telephone numbers we had. A lot of people remember their very first telephone number that they had, telephone number. Um, I went to a workshop once where they said, compartmentalize your life um, in sections of 10 years, you know, and just take one section and begin with a section that says, okay, these are the games I played from zero to five years. These are the games I played from five years to 12 and or, you know, or 10 or whatever. So do that and it's a great way of telling a story and it's a great way of remembering a lot of things because a lot of people remember the addresses, all the different addresses they had. Um, and I did it with games and I did it with, um, um, you know, when we were kids, we played marbles. We had marble tournaments on the playground and we only had one set of swings, you know, maybe three swings because I had to go to Northville to school, even though I lived in Novi, because we didn't really have a middle school, we didn't have a high school, we didn't have much in the, we had one little old elementary school. So these stories are really important to the people that come behind us. It connects us to our community and it's really important. So my little segment today is just to remind you all, write these things down or draw a picture. I had one senior tell me that the greatest thing she ever found 
when her mother died was a box up in the top of the closet and when she brought it down and she opened it up it had a book like a scrapbook in it a small scrapbook and it had hand-drawn pictures that her mother drew of the house she lived in when she was in Detroit years and years ago like in the early 1900s it had a clipping of her hair at different times in her life it had little hand-drawn pictures of what she wore to school and it had other things and she said of all the gifts that I have ever received in my life you know as a person in her 40s she said that is the most valuable thing I ever received and so you see you know what you do today may not seem very important to you now but it is to generations that come behind so I know I've gone on and on about it but I'm um, I'm passionate about people writing their stories and we thank you for sharing them with us today thank you That's, uh, that's basically our episode for today. So before we head out, uh, I thought we'd kind of recap. Uh, are either of you guys reading anything good right now? Kathy, I know you mentioned... Yeah, The American Revolution, you know, by Shara. Uh, S-H-A-A-R-A, I believe is his last name, the author. Um, I wish I could remember the name of the book. But it's what it, what's beautiful about it is you have chapters from uh, Benjamin Franklin and all the people, uh, Patrick Henry, and all the people that were involved in our early history. Uh, and it's just uh, amazing to read in their own words because they were men of letters. They wrote a lot. I mean, that was their way of communicating back and forth with the king and, you know, in, in Britain and back and forth um, amongst each other. So there was a lot of written history during that time that tells in first person what they were thinking and what, I mean, you can even imagine writing the Declaration of Independence. How did that come about? I, it's, um, it's very interesting to me. And it's reading that uh, while it might be a little bit fiction, you know, but it's all based on our early history. Okay, Betty, are you reading anything good right now? Uh, yeah, what I'm reading is called Sustainable Genealogy. It's a fairly new book. And people think once they've done their genealogy, they're done. But with the changes of various types of things to record on, uh, you really need to watch what you're doing, keep up with the times, and it even gives you some suggestions of how to do this. It's, I, mean, I haven't finished it yet, but it has really good ideas. Awesome. And I am reading a book called Chutzpah by Inbal Ariely. Uh, the title is C-H-U-T-Z. P-A-H, that's uh, the Yiddish word chutzpah, um, and it's about why Israel is a hub of innovation and entrepreneurship, and I found it, it is available on our Hoopla resource. So with that, um, that is our episode today. You can find and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or just on the Beyond Books podcast page on our website. So we thank you for listening today. We hope to inform you. We hope to inspire you. Oh, and we are definitely going to include you. <laughs>